What's up, Life Center? How we doing today? Come on, how we doing today? It's a good day. It's a busy day. It's a busy day. This dude's getting married later. <laughs> After we leave here, we're gonna go over and um, we're gonna perform a, a marriage. And they're, uh, Brian and Terry are getting married today, so we're excited for them. So we have church, a wedding, and then we're moving Tristan in college. Woo! <laughs> Happy Sunday. No nap today. Not happening. Welcome to week one of home. Who had fun with Family Feud? Yeah. Who... Who was challenged a little more than you thought you'd be in Family Feud? Nobody. Okay, that's good. <laughs> you guys are awesome today. Let's go. Let's do this. Um, this month, we're going to talk about and we're going to highlight. I haven't forgotten what, we, what we've been advertising this past week. We're going to do this at, at the end, so we're not forgetting that. This month, we're going to talk about who we are, what we're doing, where we're going, and why we love our home. I love my church. Home, there's, <laughs> there's so much in those four letters. When the word home is spoken, it brings images, um, smells, hopefully good ones, uh, sounds, memories, feelings. For me, there are stages, because I'm, I'm now 47 years old, so there are stages to this word home. I have, when I was a kid, home, and I have my home now, so there are stages to it. When, when I was a kid, it was associations of my mom doing mom things and my dad working to provide for our family, my brother and my sister growing up, all those kinds of things. Um, mental snapshots, great memories, sad ones. Um, their memories are, recall, are recalled in our mind by words and by sounds and smells and circumstances. I remember when I was in, uh, living in California... And when, we, when I arrived in 29 Palms, it's, if you don't know, it's in the middle of the desert and there's nothing around it for miles but sand and it's ugly and it's hot. And when I got there, we got off the bus and we were going to check in and they were doing a, just a ton of roofing on low, flat-roofed uh, flat barracks. And just the smell of tar was everywhere. So no matter where I am in today's world, this year... If I'm driving down the road and I smell tar, guess where I am? I'm in California and I'm, I'm 18 years old and I, yeah, that's where I am because that smell takes me right back there. So circumstances and words and smells, they take us back. The second stage is, is the home that I've created with Tawana and more recently, so a bit more vivid, less so as I get older and time rolls on, right? So we created a home with intention, babies being born, anniversaries, potty training, high chairs, uh, we transitioned to school and sports and cars and college, and pretty soon, next fall, there'll be just two of us. That's going to be a weird transition, but we're close. Yeah, we're close. So snapshots and memories, and they're all centered around one thing, and it's home. I'm, I'm home. Who likes to be home? Yeah, we do. We like to be home because that's, that's our comfy place. But not everyone has a pleasant memory of home. Not everyone has those good memories. And if, if, if you're a person that doesn't, doesn't have good home memories, I'm sorry because you, you, I feel like you've been robbed of something important in your life. So what you can do is you can grab a hold of this and these feelings and, and you can intentionally create a home atmosphere that you would want 
your family to be a part of. So today can be your day to transition because home is the place where you should feel the safest. Home is the place where you should feel the most love. Home is the place where you should feel the most secure. And home is the place that you should most want to be. There's no place like home, right? Isn't that what Dorothy said? Clicking her heels together because she was in the middle of this crazy world and she was wanting to go home. I want to go home. There's no place like home. I need to be home. There's no place I would rather be than home. And that's just how it is. I read this this week about what home should be prepping for this weekend. It's, it's, it's proper, I believe, because school's getting ready to start. And here we go. Quit yelling at your kids before they go to bed and expect them to sleep well. Quit yelling at your kids in the morning right after they wake up before school and expect them to have a good day. Yeah, uh-oh. That's perfect right there. You set the tone for your children. You set the tone for your voice that they will always remember in their heads. You become their inner voice. Don't become their inner critic. Let's raise kids who don't need therapy to heal them from their childhoods. Speak life. Speak love. Speak bravery and kindness and hope. Speak wisdom and truth. But most of all, listen to your children. Be their safety net. Be their home. This isn't a, a parenting or family series. That was just free, unsolicited greatness right there. And you need to grab that. Be their home. Be their safe place. Be their positive voice that speaks things into them, that lets them know how special they are and how amazingly God has created them and the potential and the promise that he's placed in them and that they really can do whatever they set their mind to do. Right? We can do whatever we choose to do. So make sure your kids know what's going on and, and that you support them and that you believe in them. Church shouldn't be, we're talking about home and church, and I love my church. It shouldn't be a box that you just check. If you're here today and just checking a box, I hope today to change your mind about what you're doing and about how you're approaching your Sundays. It shouldn't just be something on your to-do list that you know you have to do. It shouldn't be something that you do just because you know you should because it's the right thing to do. It should be something entirely different. This place should be your safe place. This should be a place where you need to be, not just you feel like you should be. This should be a place where you need to be. It should be a place where you find refuge and strength from our crazy, crazy world. I'll say this, and you may or may not agree. I believe church should not be an optional function in your life. It shouldn't be something that you do if you feel like it or if you're not too tired. Is that okay? I'm glad. <laughs> I was raised that if I was too sick for church, I was too sick for work or school. That's just how it is. I'm just, I'm just going to pull back the curtain a little bit. We didn't skip church to rest or because I worked the day before. Church was not optional. And man, did I dread church when I was a kid. <laughs> See, we have it rough now. We come every Sunday for an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 30 minutes. That's our, that's our church commitment is that we're here once a week for an hour, hour and a half. See, when I was a kid, we went to church on Sunday from 10 to 12 and 6 to 9. And then we came back on Tuesday from 7 to 9. And then we came back on Thursday from 7 to 9. Four times every single week I went to church when I didn't want to, when I didn't feel like it. 
My parents made me go. It wasn't, well, you got a lot of homework to do. Go ahead and stay home and do that. No. If I didn't, can I be really blatantly honest? If I didn't have my homework done, I got my tail whipped. <laughs> and then we still went to church. <laughs> and I better be smiling when I walk in the doors. That's just how it was. But church wasn't optional. It wasn't something that we went to if we didn't have something else to do. We did not make commitments during church time because church wasn't fourth or fifth or sixth on the list. Guess where it was? It was number one. We were going to church if we didn't go anywhere else. That's not a bad thing. See, it, it got... Mm. It got really quiet, right? Because that was like 1978 to 1985 in that time when I was first to whatever, seventh, eighth grade. And that was a lot of church. But you know what it did? It got a lot of Jesus in me. That I wasn't a perfect kid and I did some stupid things, but guess what I came back to? And I didn't realize why I was coming back to it, but I did in a big way. Come on, let's, in a big way. <laughs> I believe church should not, and some of y'all don't get mad at me, but I believe church should not be optional for us. Not from a mandate following or a rule following point of view. Although scripture does say in Hebrews, in reading in context, we always take this one scripture, verse 24, uh, 25, and we just read that and say, let's do this just like this. But let's, in context, look at 23 to 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. See, not being together in church can become a habit because you put off mowing the grass till Sunday because you're out doing whatever else you want to do. I've learned this about people is that we do what we want to do. We buy what we want to buy. We spend our money how we want to spend it. We do what we want. Let's spur, on, let's spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen to the message. So let's do it. Full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together, as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. So we, we see this, and we always say, you should be at church, be at church, be at church. Don't avoid the, King James says, don't avoid the assembling of yourselves together, and we read it in, in more plain English here. But if you read it in context, it's not just about you. Because, see, sometimes we need church really badly. Because we've had a tough week, and we're, we're, we're beat down, and we're tired, and we're mentally exhausted, and... and, and Devil's all over the place been attacking us, and we just need to get here and feel encouraged and feel the presence of God. But in context, that scripture is not really about you. It's about the person who's struggling that you need to be here to encourage just with your presence. Just because you're here and they see you keeping on. Listen to a choir back in the 90s, and, and, and he, he was known for keep on keeping on. And that's part of, of what Sunday is about. It's not, it is for you to be encouraged, 
to be strengthened. But you know what? It's also about the, about the person sitting behind you or sitting in front of you, that they can see you, that you're still working, that you're still trying. And, and because they see you doing it, guess what they're going to be encouraged to do? They're going to be encouraged to push. The scripture said, let's see what we can do to push each other to good deeds and good works and, and to strengthen each other. The author of Hebrews is telling us that we need to work together to get better, to be better, to be stronger, to worship together. So yes, from a biblical perspective, we're told that we should be here to help each other out. But I believe something should be alive in us and something should be a work in us that we don't feel quite right when, when we don't give the first part of our week to Jesus. There should be something that feels incomplete if we're not here worshiping with our church family, if we're not home. We're fiercely independent. We're born that way from the first time that, that as, as a toddler and mom and dad are trying to help us and, and the kid jerks it away and says, I do it. And they want to do more and have more independence and they push more and they want to walk by themselves and, and they don't want help. When you as a parent know if they step off that curb, they're going to face plant on the pavement and you're going to have dental work to pay for. So you reach over and, and, and much to their chagrin, you pull them up and you snatch them up and keep them from face planting. And they may get angry at you, but you just saved yourself some money, even though they wanted to be independent. That's just how we are. And we're told in, in Scripture to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. That means it's serious that you're talking to Jesus and you know that, that you're where you need to be and doing what you need to do. But we have our own unique relationship with God, but we're only part. Everybody say, I'm part. part. I'm part of a larger structure referred to as the body of Christ. In Romans 12, Scripture says, for just as each of us has one body, I have one body, that's all I ever get. With many members, fingers, toes, ears, eyes, all that stuff. They don't all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, we're, all, we're many, we form one body. It's the body of Christ. Each member belongs. Each member belongs to all the others. See, when Scripture says that we're not our own, that we're purchased for the price, we belong to each other. We, we, we're, we're meant to work in community. We're meant to work in tandem. Our salvation is ours to establish and work out. That's Philippians 2. But it's the work of the body. It's the work of the body. It's home that fulfills our purpose. In Ephesians 4, Scripture says, For him, the whole body, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That means if I'm not doing my piece, the body can't build like it needs to. If I'm not connected and plugged into home, the body can't function like Christ designed it to work. It can't progress as quickly as he designed it to progress, as he wants it to. I have to be here. I have to, I have to assume the responsibility for my part of home. Who has chores? Yeah. Adults raising their hands. You got chores. See, we have, as, as husbands and wives and moms and dads, we have the the responsibility of providing a home. But beyond that, in the, in the structure, we all have things we do. Somebody takes out the trash. Somebody makes the bed. Somebody does laundry. Somebody folds laundry. Somebody loads a dishwasher or washes dishes. We do all these things. We have pieces and parts to play. If we don't do, if somebody doesn't do the laundry for a week and a half or two weeks, you're either going out to buy new underwear or you're recycling, and that's not good. 
That's not good. And you're going you're gonna to know that, and you're going to have discussions about that, and the bodies, the home's not going to work quite like it should. If groceries aren't brought into the house, the house isn't going to work quite like it should. Somebody's responsible for doing those things. And Matt, grocery shopping is different than it used to be. You got Walmart pickup. You got Aldi delivers. You got all kinds of crazies. You don't have to get out of your house. Peapod. You can stay home and be a hermit and live. You never really have to leave your house. But we have these functions in our home that we do and that we're responsible for. And if they don't get accomplished, things go sideways. You. Everybody say me. You have a piece to play in what happens at Life Center. When you're born into this body, when you, when you, when you are, are born into this group, into this community, when God sent you here, guess what he did? He gave you a purpose, not just for your life as a whole. He gave you a purpose right here. He gave you a purpose, to, a piece to play in what happens in this house. This is home. And we need to do, we need to commit to do whatever it takes for us to see this job finished. 1 Corinthians 12 says this, So there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. How awesome is that? If you hurt, I hurt. But if you win, I win. And we should celebrate together. You shouldn't get jealous when somebody wins. When somebody gets a raise and somebody gets a new job, new position, new car, new house, all that, that's, a, that's a moment to celebrate. Why? Because the body's doing well. I don't celebrate when I smash my finger. No, it's far from it. I, when my finger hurts, guess what the rest of me does? The rest of me feels that pain and I hurt. That's how the body of Christ is designed. Our destiny and our purpose, it, they're realized when we function as God has designed us to function in the body of Christ. In order, in order for that peace, I'm necessary to the mission of God, but I must be present. I must be plugged in, and I must be operational. I must be concerned and happy to be home. Church is important. It's not optional. In our hostage series week two, we had some people come share their story. And Shannon said something when she was up here that, that it really, really kind of wrecked me. Not, it, just, it was awesome. It was one of those moments. And she said, this is my safe place. She said, this is my safe place. And that's how we should feel about home. God has planted you here. Grow and be as big as you can get. Grow and be as big as you can get. This is the kind of place that we're called to be. Before I, before I close today, I'm going to leave you with three qualities that we try to meet here at the Life Center, and, and we strive to embody these. The first thing is everyone, everyone should feel loved. Everyone should feel loved. Jesus said that the greatest two commandments are to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And your neighbor is everyone in this room. Your neighbor is everybody that you encounter. To love your neighbor, as Matthew 22, as yourself. And there's so much discontent. And there's so much hate being spread in our world right now. And I, I've, this, I've said this over and over and over, and I believe this with everything in me. If you don't love people, I don't believe you can be saved. 
it just got deathly quiet. If you, if you can't love someone because they're different than you, because they have a different opinion, because they look different, because they're a different color, it doesn't matter. If you can't love people, I don't believe. 1 John 4 says that we have to love our, love our neighbor who we can see, or we can't love God whom we can't see. So that's why I believe that. I believe if you have a racist bone in your body, you can't be saved. 1 John 4 also said that God is love. I hope none of y'all got mad at me for that. That's just common sense. You have to love people. And it doesn't say certain people. It says all people. Right? All people. We need love and we need to feel loved. I'm surprised it got that quiet when I started talking about love. They had to love everybody. The person that cuts you off in traffic, you got to love them. The Bible says to bless those who person. I'm going to stay here for a minute until we lighten up on this. The Bible says to bless those. I'm dead serious. I'll end right here if I have to. The Bible says to bless those who persecute you. And if someone hits you on one side, turn the cheek and let them hit the other one. I saw something on... I scroll, sometimes social media, I believe, will be the death of me. People post some crazy stuff, man. Somebody posted this story of, of a, a teenager beat a, a World War II veteran and set him on fire and killed him. Horrible crime. Horrible crime. And somebody I went to college with that is in ministry said, I believe the same thing should happen to him. 17-year-old kid. I want to type, yeah, Jesus would have done the same thing. What would Jesus have done? He wouldn't say, because you did this, you're getting the same fate. I'm sorry, folks. That's not how Jesus operates. It's, not, it's no longer an eye for an eye. We live in a dispensation of grace, and he forgives sin, no matter if it's stealing a grape in a grocery store, telling a lie, or killing somebody. Oh, see, but y'all don't like that because we, we want to value stuff. This house doesn't stand for that. I got about 20% of you, so let's keep going. When Scripture plainly says, if you don't love your brother who you can see, that you can't love God whom you've never seen. But we want to feel the security or at least the delusion of security of salvation because we come to church. The deeper we go, the harder it gets. If we don't love people, we can't love God. And if we can't love God, guess what we don't have? Salvation. One plus one is always two. You can't kill somebody because they killed somebody. I'm not going to get political, but let's just stop right there. We have to love. And everyone that walks in those doors should feel love. They shouldn't get appraising stares. They, and we do a good job of this. I believe we do. But everybody that walks in these doors should feel love. And in order for someone to feel love, guess what you have to do? We have to love. How do we show love? By showing interest, by, feel, by connecting, by, by smiles. We all know that it takes fewer muscles to smile than it does to frown, but man, we like that frown.
How about hugs? Man, I was going to use her two weeks ago, but see, I know you love hugs. You're back. Some of us don't like hugs. We're prickly pears. Right? But hugs work. Hugs are therapeutic. It lowers your blood pressure when you get a hug, unless you hate them. <laughs> then it probably raises your blood pressure. When you show concern for someone, you're showing love to them. And you're, you're probably not going to feel very connected or very much love if you get here late and leave early every Sunday. Because you're not connecting. You're not connecting at home. If, if all I do... This, this is a, a, a folly or a trap of, of working too much. If all I do is get up when it's still dark and go to work and I work all day and come home when it's still dark and I take a shower and go to bed and I'm not connecting with my family, I'm going to feel distant. I'm not going to have a relationship with them. If I roll in here every Sunday morning at 1010 and, and, and leave when we stand up, I'm not connecting. I'm not investing myself. I'm not, I'm not becoming a part of this body. I'm, I'm just here. I'm just attending. I'm just someone that's sitting here. And you know what? You're probably getting ministered to. You're, you're probably feeling better. You might like the music. You might like the message and feel like you're growing spiritually. But you probably won't feel connected because you aren't connecting. There's something missing. Spread the love and feel the love. Everybody should feel loved here. The second thing is everybody should feel accepted at Life Center. At home, everyone should feel accepted. Romans 15 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Why? To bring praise to God. Accept one another just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. While we were doing our worst, he was doing his best. While we were doing our worst, he saw us, he loved us, he accepted us, he died for us. We're encouraged to accept one another. Not everybody is like you. Not everybody likes what you like. Who knows what a White Castle hamburger is? Who likes White Castle hamburgers? The smell of those things make my wife sick. And about two hours after eating them, guess who else is sick? <laughs> but you know what? I like them. Pastor Andrew and I were, were working with my dad one time, and, and he's like, what do, you boy, what do you boys want for lunch? I'm like, White Castle. So he brings like three sacks of 10 hamburgers and like big drinks, like 44s. And we each put down a bag of 10. We were happy for a minute. But see, not everybody likes White Castle hamburgers, and I can, I can appreciate that, and I will still love you, even if you don't like White Castle hamburgers. Not everybody likes Kentucky Wildcat basketball. I do. If you like Duke, I'm sorry, but I will still love you. <laughs> That's just how it is. You don't have to like the same things that I like. You don't have to be just like me. Not everybody shares my opinion, and that's okay, but I will accept you, and I will love you. Accept everyone just as Christ accepted you. Your hot mess self. We all have our stuff. We all have our baggage. We all have all those things. We all have our sin. But Jesus died for all of us. He accepts us where we are, just as we are. What's that old song say? Just as I am, I'm coming to you. 
we should do the same. And at Life Center, this is key to who we are. We rally around this. This next thing I'm about to say, we rally around this. Jesus accepts us where we are, but he promises not to leave us there. Who's glad about that? Who's glad that he, he takes us broken, he takes us flawed, he takes us messed up in our worst condition? He takes us, he accepts us, he loves us, but he promises not to leave us in that condition. And that is an amazing thing. And as a matter of fact, it is, it is impossible. It is impossible to have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and not change. If you've been here for a year and you're not changing, something's wrong. If you've been here for six months and your life hasn't changed at all, something's wrong. We need to talk. Leads me to my last point. Everyone should be challenged. We should be loved. We should be accepted. And we should be challenged at Life Center. Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, here's that old English in King James, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. How about this? I challenge you, everybody, by the mercies of God, to give yourself to God. I challenge you to give yourselves to God for his use and for his purpose. We will challenge you at Life Center to look inside. Examine your thoughts. What's the, what's the Bible say about thoughts? To bring into captivity every thought that would exalt itself against God. We will challenge you to examine your thoughts, to, chat, to, to look at your actions, to examine your words. The Bible says that we're going to be held accountable for every word that comes out of our mouth. That's why I shouldn't be dropping F-bombs. What good is that? Because I'm going to be held accountable for what I say. Because the, the scripture says there's power of life and death where? Not in my hands, my fists, or my guns. Where? My tongue. Power of life and death resides in my tongue in the words that I speak. We will challenge you to examine your lifestyle. Am I an ambassador for Christ or a detractor from Christ? Are the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm saying, the way I'm behaving, the way I'm living my life, is it pleasing to God? Is it drawing me closer to him or pushing me farther away? And we will challenge you to live a life that reflects the amazing gift of grace and salvation that Jesus died for us to have. We will challenge you to take your next step and your next step and your next step and your next step. Because as, as Yoda said, finish never is until we see Jesus. That's when we're finished. That's when the work is done. It's when I see Jesus, eyeball to eyeball, that's when I'm finished. Jesus will accept us as we are, but he will also challenge us to become more like him. And we do that by being led, to his, led by his spirit, because without his spirit living in me, I'm just trying to be a better me. I'm just trying to work and work and work to get better, but with his spirit, I'm becoming more like him. And that's what home is about, is challenging each other to be better. That's the difference in the challenge. It's, it's to reflect the image of the creator and not the image of the created. To become true image bearers of Jesus Christ. See, we shouldn't be looking at each, at each other trying to become like each other. That's not the point. You don't need to be like me. You don't need to be like Pastor Andrew or Santiago or, or Pastor Jason or Brian. You don't need to be like any of us. You need to be like Jesus. Because that's, all, that's what we're all trying to do. Have some of us been doing it longer than others? Yeah. 
Do we know more scripture than others? Probably. But we're all trying just simply to be more like Jesus. We're trying to be the image of the, of the creator and not the creator. This is home. We're going to hear this month of all that we are, where we're going, what we're doing. But it starts here with this feeling that I am home, the feeling that I belong here. I can with confidence say that God has placed me here. I can with confidence say that God has placed you here in this community, not the one down the street, not the one across town. Here, there is a reason he placed you. He's God, I'm not. There's a reason that he placed you and me in this body, in this community. And it's our job to function in that role. It's our, love, our job to love. It's our job to accept. And it's our job to challenge. Why? Because this is home. This is my home. This is my home. This is your home. Life Center is home. Stress it again. We are, everybody say, home. And we're going to be real. We're going to be real. We're not going to be religious. I have no desire to be religious. I want to be real. Today, I believe the greatest thing you can do to bring honor and glory to God is just to simply function in the role that he's placed you in. It's what I was talking about a minute ago, to examine you, your thoughts, your actions, your words, your goals, your lifestyle. Is, is what I'm doing bringing honor to God? Am I bringing honor to the house that he's placed me in? Am I, am I performing in my function to see the greater mission of the body, the home that he's placed me in accomplished? This is home. Let's honor God. He placed us here. Let's grow as individuals because we're working out our salvation. Let's grow as individuals and see his plan come to pass in us and by default in our community because this is home. This is the place I feel the safest. This is the place I feel the most love. This is the place I feel most secure. And this is the place I want to be. I hope today that That's where you are. You may or may not be. I don't know. But when we're talking about home, this is where God has placed us. And he's given us a calling and a mission. First and foremost, to love him. But secondly, to love each other. And that's where we need to get. That we, I, we can see each other walk in these doors and say, man, I'm glad you're here. It's good to see you. Not as a perfunctory thing that we just do, but to see somebody and honestly feel something in our gut and in our heart. Say, man, it is good to see you. Give me that hug. <laughs> That's what home is like. See, some, some of us don't feel that because we haven't invested ourselves in home. I challenge you to invest yourself in this house. Invest yourself in the other members of this house and see if your feelings don't begin to follow. The more you reach out, the more you connect, the more you love, the more you're going to feel. And when that, when that stuff happens is when you're going to start feeling differently and taking ownership. Because, man, when you love home, your perspective changes. Your goals change. You're more concerned. And you're more invested. So this month, as we look at home, going to hear some cool things. You're going to hear some challenging things. But understand, 
that God brought you here. If you're a member of this house, you, you have to acknowledge that God brought you here through whatever circumstances he's placed you here. So let's wrap our minds and our hearts around the mission of this house, of this home. And let's come together and be the body that God has designed us to be. Let's be the community that God has designed us to be. And let's, let's for a minute, just imagine, step back past, back to school, the hustle and, and grind that is our daily lives with jobs and kids and all the activities that we have to do. Let's pull back for a minute and, and, and dream a minute and wonder, what could God really do in me? And what could God really do in this community and in my circle if I really leaned into his purpose for my life and the promise he's placed in me? I guarantee you there are people in your circle that need Jesus in a bad, bad way. They're hurting. They're broken. They're acting out. They're doing crazy stuff. They need Jesus. They need what you have. And if you lean into that, guess what they're going to see? They're going to see Jesus because they're going to see something different in you. But you have to be different. You have to be different. You can't be pursuing the image that they are and expect them to want what you have when you are just like them. When you're reflecting the image of the creator, they're going to be drawn to that. I promise you that. And you're going to begin to see people's lives around you change. And that's what we're called to do, is share this love and this gospel with other people.